0: We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast.
1: Happy, happy Halloween, 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 happy, happy Halloween, Preston silver shamrock, shamrock. <laughs> happy halloween folks it's my bloody podcast oh and it's halloween today we're in dallas texas on the coldest day of the year it's like 20 degrees outside but it's beautiful ain't blue that skies. the truth ain't, ain't that the truth And oh my goodness, it's a Halloween episode. It is actually Halloween. It's October 31st, 2019, episode (laughs) 69.3. Yes, we're still doing that, folks. My Bloody Podcast. I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by the... The scary man who uh, puts on a smiling face, who I would like to be my bedmate in a hospital at all times of the evening, Preston Barta, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Halloween. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> did you Happy dress up Halloween. today yet?
2: Um, I'm wearing nice clothes. <laughs> I usually dress pretty casually, but since I did a an on-camera interview, I put on some some slacks and some brown shoes and a belt and a button-up shirt, so I'm a uh, business Preston for today.
1: It's business time, Preston.
2: <laughs> Maybe I could throw on my drive jacket that's in my closet and be a uh, business uh, Ryan Gosling from Drive.
1: I like that. What's his character name in that movie?
2: He has no character name. So if, if I think if you look it on the credits, it just says Driver.
1: <laughs> All right he'd be driver uh we're doing a podcast on halloween how cool is this
2: it's pretty surreal it 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 seems like uh like the most ideal way to record the ideal day to record
1: it is it is we have a spooky and super fun halloween episode today on my bloody podcast and big news everyone in addition to Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher Radio, Preston, what are we on now? Where can you find us now?
2: Uh, I, you might heart it, right? <laughs> Correct. So iHeart Radio, we uh, we're uh, breaking necks in cash and cashing checks at this point. Uh, that is not true, really right? cashing checks, but we're we're uh, we're uh,
1: making our way out there. We're we're, uh,
2: finding other outlets to make you hear our voices and stupid banter.
1: Yeah, so thank you iHeartRadio for uh, allowing us to be part of your heart family. We appreciate it. We hope my bloody podcast just does a little bit for you, and we just love everybody who listens. Uh, But yeah, it is Halloween. It is cold as shit outside. Our main event feature presentation today is is Halloween 2 from 1981. No, not the Rob Zombie Halloween 2. No, not the upcoming Halloween sequel. No, the original 1981 Halloween 2. I think we're a bit of a theme here because last week was a 1981 film in American Werewolf in London. So, True. So, uh, yeah, we're just doing
2: 1981. I hurt the
1: 80s. I heart the 80s. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about Halloween 2 a little bit later. We have a couple bloody recommendations for you. A fun-as-hell bloody question. But first, the bloody bits of news. So let's jump right in there. Uh, A little bit of the interesting news, and I'm curious. I feel like Preston's going to be all over this one because the man loves A24 and horror. So, The Lighthouse, the movie that we've talked about The Lighthouse by Eggers starring Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe, that's that's out right now. They have released a grooming set for men, a grooming set that smells of sea foam and debauchery <laughs> supposedly. Uh, I'm I have no idea. A24 is just basically merchandising a lot of their cool stuff and I, I'm kind of in to this it's a scented beard oil uh <laughs> which i ha- i don't have a thing of it but it it's called wiki oil <laughs> the Siemens helper and it comes with like a bar of soap and that mermaid and oh it just looks fun as hell it's called swab the deck Siemens helpers and i don't know preston with this news are you do you think this stuff sells to people would you buy this what do you think
2: uh it's pretty cool. I like that A24 really thinks outside the box with their marketing. Like they do like – I mean they do some of the more normal expected stuff like T-shirts. and. Uh, but what I like, they do like books. They do like script forms and things like that and they sell them. Um, but they've always kind of sold things for a uh, hefty price. Like even just one of their simple sweaters I think that just spells out – uh, A24 so people can know to say it right versus I guess people say A24 and so uh, it's, it's it's pretty expensive this grooming kit's $42 but uh, I mean I would love to take it uh, I like, like really obscure shit and this would be one of those things I mean I love that uh, it's just semen oil <laughs> and swab
0: on my face. <laughs> swab
2: the deck, uh, man. They're they're good. Man, is, I wish I could be a part of their marketing team. I would have so much fun doing that. But uh, I don't know how well this stuff like sells. Um, you just, I can't think. There's a lot of people out there in the world that have seen the lighthouse because it's a very strange film. But I, I'm sure there's some hipsters out there and. People who are like you and I, who would probably buy something like this. I don't know about forty-two dollars, but I guess that's to be expected with beard oil and uh, what all it's what all is included with this mermaid soap bar thing. Uh, maybe, maybe so.
1: Yeah, no, that's uh, I, it looks awesome. The the Siemens Helper the 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 soap is a uh, coconut oil, shea butter, and oat protein super creamy bar of soap. And the wiki oil is organic cold-pressed golden Jojo Ba oil from Panama. And, uh, yeah, the the, um, the only
2: thing that it needs is, like, an MP3 file that you can download for your phone that has William Defoe like, reading old sea tales to you as you apply this wiki oil to your beard
1: or yelling at you if you enjoyed his lobster or not <laughs> it's true uh it's don't funny. use this on your beard don't put it on your wanker <laughs> yeah, that would be really good i like the uh the description for it. it says it smells of sea foam, black waves biblical storms and debauchery but also has texas cedarwood basil and clove leaf eucalyptus and corn mint
2: Smells of biblical storms. That makes me think of this really dirty joke that's in Grandma's Boy, where he says a certain part of a woman's body smells like the Great Depression.
1: (laughs) Let's go down the list. Tupac. The the, the what's this He's like? The the first car. Oh something funny was telling how old they are. Just so funny. I love that. Love that movie. Uh, but yeah, the go to A twenty uh, shop, A twenty four films, and you can see all their cool stuff where you can get stuff from Hereditary, Mid Moonlight, Ex Machina. 8th grade the farewell all sorts of fun stuff not just shirts and hats but all sorts of cool little things like uh
2: keychains like, coffee mugs or candles
1: yeah yeah or just like this um like this beard oil and soap that's kind of cool so yeah i think there is a market for this might be a niche market for sure cuz you know maybe what i mean do you think they sell over 500 of these like i can't imagine
2: yeah i'm sure they only produce a certain amount of them i don't i don't know how many they probably make maybe like a hundred or something like that but i the the coolest item that they released in the past couple of years is when they created that vhs for climax which sold so quickly and now they're really expensive on ebay yeah yeah, there there you go. So you got you just kind of kind of keep your ear to the ground and sometimes still release some really exclusive stuff. I know they're not going to do anything. They said that it was a nightmare to do the VHS thing. So that they could still be reaching uh you know going beyond uh outside the box to create some more unique stuff. So just keep uh tabs on their website.
1: There you go. A24 beard oil. Let's move on. Uh let's talk about our our favorite person, who we have yet to have on the podcast, but maybe soon we will. Nick Cage. I would love to be on the the
2: podcast with you guys.
1: It would be great. Nick Cage mixed with like young Keanu. <laughs> I know it's like. Did Preston just go like Bill and Ted? Nick Cage.
0: Yeah. A B C D E F G. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so Nick Cage has accepted and has fully uh settled down into this kind of B genre movie actor um and he's not stopping like he's embraced it i love this about him His new film that was just announced is called Wally's Wonderland, not to be confused with like Wally World from National Lampoon's Vacation, but Wally's Wonderland. Well, it will feature Nicolas Cage battling animatronic monsters who come to life in an evil amusement park. Now, if that doesn't sound like the best movie of 2020... I don't know what does, but yeah, it's kind of, I think it's in that style. I know, I've i never played Five Nights at Freddy's, but I know a lot of people have. It's a big game where they're kind of like at an amusement park or like showbiz pizza type place where all the animatronic things come to life and try to kill you. So uh, yeah, Nick Cage, I'm... So uh excited that the film is being described as pale rider versus killer clowns from outer space.
2: Which uh yeah, that description couldn't be any better.
1: Oh my goodness. So the I, I just
2: want to see like him and then maybe Samuel Jackson just pop up out of nowhere. And I'm, like,
1: I'm sick of these motherfucking
2: animatronics, you know.
1: Yeah, no, I do. Has Nick Cage and in- Samuel Jackson in a movie together I have to have been. He Samuel Jackson is in every movie. I, don't I have know. to look uh, at that, but the 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 description for the movie is, Wally's Wonderland has a dark secret, and when the janitor played by Nicolas Cage is forced to spend the night in the twisted amusement park, he is pulled into a living nightmare as the threatening animatronic characters come to life. The janitor has to fight his way from one monster to another to survive until morning and get out of the park. So it's kind of got like a Westworld type thing going on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh. And then I hear this killer kion from outer space thing. And you have Nick Cage. Who else is coming to this? So, uh... Oh, my God. So, the... <laughs> the people involved just look very interesting. Um, but the writer is Geo Parsons, who wrote something called Killer Sharks, The Attack of Black December. So, uh... I, i'm curious <laughs> i'm very curious about this it just sounds awesome is what it does and if you can get nick cage i mean how does nick cage's manager pitch a movies and like does he just say yes because i figure if preston and i make a movie we could ask nick cage to do it and we have like a hundred grand for him he's like yeah sure i'll do it and i think when they like pitch him a screenplay i feel like he's like yeah sounds awesome me killing a bunch of monsters i'm in i just feel like he's embraced this new acting presence don't you
2: yeah he's just like one of the strangest beings ever that he can (laughs) do movies like this and not And still, like, just be talked about. Like, I feel like there's a lot of actors out there who maybe won an Academy Award and now they're just doing shit after shit. And I get emails that, hey, do you want to review this DVD or this link? And then by the poster, like, oh, man, this just looks like straight to DVD stuff. And he does that kind of stuff, but he elevates it, even if it's really bad, like that Between Worlds movie. He has like this presence that he he just essentially plays like the same character over and over again but puts a little bit of a a twist on it uh that he could just continuously make these good or bad movies but mostly like just very strange movies and uh still have people talking about him so that that's pretty remarkable that he can do that because at this point he's he's kind of become a joke but everybody's laughing with him
1: no i agree with that and it's 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 i dare i say it i think nick cage is one of the finest actors to be alive and i'll tell you why if you look because like you said if i say that right now people will laugh at me but like take a look at it take a look at movies like raising arizona adaptation match stick men and leaving las vegas which he won an oscar for or uh, joe or, or joe which was you know in the last like six years or so he's so good in that but then you see like you know and then from those like very nuanced performances dramatic roles he's also done comedies he's also been the like basically the rock of the early 90s of being the biggest action blockbuster guy ever in michael bay movies and then uh now he's in b movies i mean i think because we all know like like his personal life uh like it was part of the news and like maybe he lost a lot of money or something like that but i i i think he's just having fun like he's you know he's not a young spry chicken anymore and i think he's just having a good time and i think I, I would love to talk with him and see, like, if he actually enjoys the genre—not like acting, because I know he likes acting—but just, just being a fan of the genre because he seems to make so many cool ones like that. So I, that'd be fun to ask, don't you? Yeah, I
2: think so too. Oh, and if you are curious, there is a movie with him and Samuel Jackson called Amos and Andrew that came out in 1993.
1: I completely forgot about Amos and Andrew. Oh my god, I have seen that movie. I saw that in the theater when it came out. Oh my! <laughs> there, that, I, I remember the cover art and the poster and everything.
2: Yeah, wanted poster and with Nick Cage and then uh, Samuel Jackson with the GQ magazine cover.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's so funny. So, do, so with what I just said about him being like one of the finest actors, do you agree with that?
2: No, I think he he does. I think there's some. Uh, it, it's it's difficult. I'm gonna try to articulate this, but. I feel like he's very good at these kind of like quiet roles and also he can do intense roles really well. I don't know if there's a whole lot of leeway there for him to like really stretch his acting wings because when he's good, it's because he has like all this cushion of other works that are far different That it makes those things, those, uh, you know, those other roles that you're talking about uh, stand out. And so I, I, I don't know if he's like somebody that's like very chameleon like who can do like, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman when he was alive, he was just doing movie after movie that was like an awards type. But each character felt different or like Gary Oldman who can just puts on a different voice for every role. So I it, it seems like it's just constantly kind of picking from the five types of characters he plays that uh, he can just do really good movies and then do these other movies. And like I said, I I don't know. I I can just, it'll just be me spinning the wheels here, but I feel like he is uh, one of the, the better actors out there. It's just like, maybe sometimes he's just like, you know what? I've, as you said, embraced who I am at at this point and I'm okay with just taking a paycheck and then fishing for the good materials when they come my way.
1: Yeah. And I'm surprised he hasn't had like a, huge, I mean, like, he's he's everywhere, I mean, Nick Cage's, but he's not, like, in big movies in the theater ever so often, you know? So I just feel like he could, because, like, one of my favorite scenes ever in a movie is from Matchstick Men. Like, he's so good in that, yeah. and then you forget that he played twins in Adaptation, and I think he, he has different characters, but I think there's so many movies over the past 10 years where he kind of plays a version of the, a similar character. And you know you're always looking Because he became a meme He's still a meme and a gif Like he's you know, like a famous one Like the Nick Cage freak out is a thing
2: Or, or your, uh, the the wind in your hair
1: <laughs> Oh yeah the wind in your hair From Con Air I mean t- I'm telling you The dude has been Like he was The Rock for like six years Like The Rock is making the same movies now That Nick Cage made in the 90s Yeah Yeah <laughs> and it's just it's so funny to me uh and he's and nick cage has worked for i mean god damn it this is not the nick cage show we, i could talk about <laughs> nick cage forever no more chucky it's nick cage yes it's the nick cage segment uh but yeah uh we're we're looking forward to this movie nick cage please come on the show and talk to us about it it would be awesome uh, but yes, yes, let's move on. Let's move on in our My Bloody Podcast episode for Halloween to The Conjuring. Uh, interesting enough, it doesn't get uh, said often, but The Conjuring writers have announced an entire new movie franchise, a horror franchise, not just a movie, a horror franchise based off a haunted house, the uh, La LaLaurie Mansion, uh, which is kind of crazy um i'm that it's supposed to be a very uh ambitious movie franchise and that the conjuring writers chad and uh carrie hayes um i guess there's gonna be a few movies based on this uh this house it's supposedly one of the most haunted houses in the world so i am gonna have to look into this and maybe maybe We can get our good friend Julie Fisk in on this because I know she has a cool podcast called Haunted AF where she talks about haunted houses. I wonder if they've covered this or they've talked about this. But this is kind of big news, don't you think?
2: Yeah. You know what's funny about this news is that the LaLaurie Mansion in New Orleans, it hasn't been open to the public since the early 20th century and there has been exceptions uh to those who have owned the property over the years and you know who who is one of the people that owned it who
1: nicholas cage yes he he's a he's a big new orleans person i think he has a house there still but yeah that (laughs) nick cage everywhere
2: (laughs) but yeah i don't know uh okay so let's let's Think a little bit about this. So we, we like the Conjuring franchise for the most part. I, I, like I think you. it's it's pretty split down the middle in terms of like good ones and bad ones. Most of them are, as we've said before in the past, that we, we stick to like the Conjuring's are pretty good and the Annabelle's are pretty decent. And uh, but uh, the other ones are pretty questionable. Uh, but I have defended some. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, I, I I worry about this. More so than I think about, you know, people getting an oversaturated uh, war- uh, cinematic world of superhero material and then this w- with haunted material. It's. If it's – because we're beginning to watch these movies like La Llorona and The Nun and then be able to be like, ah, they're just doing the same type of stuff. Just kind of put it in a setting, a different setting. It's just like shaking the dice in a a Yahtzee cup and then throwing it down. It's just like a different order or a different time period and there's not a whole lot of creativity there. But I guess – I mean, you can. This is a whole long discussion about the same thing with like you know horror sequels kind of doing the same thing over and over again. But uh, we'll we'll be like, oh yeah, well we like that one because it kind of reflects the new one or the the original in a way. So uh, I don't know how I feel about this uh, just yet, because in my mind, after watching some of these other La Llorona and the Nun, and then even the the new Annabelle, Annabelle comes home. It's got some, maybe some jump scares in there that are fairly effective, but for the most part, it's pretty much the same. And so I, what would make this so different from those? And so I, I think I wonder about that. Like, Hey, yeah, here's a new setting. And, you know, same thing with Mike Flanagan doing Blythe Manor after doing the Haunting of Hill house. It, it just seems like what, what can you really do what more can you really do so that i don't know that's just a big question i'm thinking about
1: yeah i, I don't know i mean maybe they're doing this because of the success of haunting of hill house but so the story of the lullaby uh mansion uh basically the owner uh madame la was a new orleans socialite she was the center of attention beautiful wealthy and whatever but she was also a crazy serial killer who tortured and murdered a ton of people in her house where her mansion had secret passageways of like torturous devices and kill it's crazy so I'm curious. At like Preston said, "Is this going to be like we're going to see the first movie, maybe set back in eighteen in the 1830s? But then maybe the next film might be like in the early or the mid 1900s, and then a, a present day one with kind of the same stuff? Or is it going to be different people in the house? I I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, yeah,
2: I don't know. Uh, not my problem since I'm not a screenwriter, but uh, I, I I just like to you know." every once in a while theorize about what they could do with that. I I think just from you describing that, it sounds like it could be more fascinating than just a mere haunted house kind of movie because that whole story, story alone makes it more, it makes it different compared to others that, you know, it's just a family coming in and then you get a taste of what, Happened before, and it's usually just chalks up to being like a simple killing of maybe like a mother killing children or what what have you. But this one has uh more layers to it in that it's based on somebody who was a serial killer and had all these like different devices, which could you know you're tiptoeing into like saw territory. And so I think they have more toys to play in the sandbox, so that that can make it. A, a different film from, from my perspective from just hearing that.
1: So knowing this, Madam, uh, Lori, who would be good to play her?
2: Uh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, because uh, the first thing that just popped in my mind when you said that was just cause I, she's done it before and she's done it. Well, is Jessica Jastain from Crimson Peak. But, uh, I don't I don't know too much about uh, Madame LaLaurie to be like well does she have like this kind of like prim and properness about her that she just kind of lived this double life or was she just uh, like I don't know like what was her process for luring victims in or ha- how she created her agenda I don't know because that would factor into me deciding who I think would be able to kind of sell. Uh, this double identity in a way.
1: Right, right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I have no idea who they'll go with. I mean, it would kind of be cool. Like, I'm trying to remember. I'll have to do some research on how old she was, uh, Madame Lalaurie. But uh, I mean, might be an older actress. That'd be kind of cool too. Because as we've talked about before, old naked ladies are super scary in horror films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Kathy Bates. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that would be good. I just saw her in a trailer for something. Uh, oh, she's in that new Clint Eastwood movie that's
1: coming out. All right. All right. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious about this because it just sounds like fun. But, I mean, it. I want to – reiterate how big of a deal this is because they're not just announcing a movie they're announcing an entire franchise and like think of how many insidiouses there are and how many sinisters and conjuring movies i mean this could be a very big deal and if it's like the conjuring they're probably going to cost maybe 10 million dollars to make or a little less and you know they're going to make A few hundred million dollars each. So, Uh,
2: yeah, they're gonna cast Patrick Wilson in there.
1: (laughs) He needs to be in every one of them. (laughs) That's a guy who likes the genre, man. Jesus.
2: Yeah, he does. Like when we went to Fantastic Fest and he was there for in the tall grass. Well, not there physically. He did like a Skype broadcast kind of thing. He he just like really loves like even when I spoke to him for some. I think it was a space station or space something seventy six. He he spoke about like you know you just sometimes you gotta just really lean into the fact that you gotta say damn you Bathsheba or hiding a <laughs> knife behind your back or what what have you. That he just he enjoys having just having fun. Like you can see that in the tall grass that he's just hamming it up and just enjoying himself. But he'll still do like some serious stuff or. More thoughtful. Uh, I mean, he was just—he's about to be in uh, Midway, and he plays like a high-up personnel, and uh, so he, he has—he has some range. Uh, so it's a little different in comparison to uh, Nick Cage, but uh, not too far from.
1: There you go. I like it. I like it. So uh, yeah, that's some, a little bit of news. Um, moving on a little bit i want to talk about because i saw it this week terminator dark fate's kind of kind of got a horror element to it is terminator dark fate worth your time and money it's hard to answer i'm gonna say no (laughs) but if you're a huge fan of terminator no matter what then yes it's worth your time and money but other than that no it's not and i'll tell you why even though it's directed by Tim Miller, who gave us Deadpool and whatnot. Uh, And it brings back Linda Hamilton and Arnold Schwarzenegger. James Cameron was a producer. It just, oh my goodness, it is... And it's rated R, too. Commendable for that. Arnold Schwarzenegger is excellent in it. However, through the entire movie, heavy-handed winks... And the same exact scenes from parts one and two all through the movie. And it's just like, oh, my God, they really just redid the first and second movie with the same exact scenes. Oh, my God, why? So that That got very tiresome. I was like, okay, we've seen this. We've seen the helicopter chase. We've seen the fight in like the... It, with the, the, you know, the truck tracing the small car on the highway, we've seen the final battle in like a uh, an industrial area, you know, it's just like a lot of the same stuff like that, and it's just kind of upsetting.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's very strange, because I, I watch a lot of interviews on YouTube, and I watched a few with James Cameron talking about how he sought out to make a Terminator film that was very different, and it, that sounds like that is not the case at all, but it's just very sh- weird that he would it, it's almost like I mean, the guy hasn't really he hasn't made a movie since Avatar, so it's been a long time. I mean, he's done stuff like uh, what was that Battle Angel film, Alita, and yeah, yeah. uh, things like that, developing the story, and but He's just the guy has a big mouth and he'll just say whatever comes to mind. He's very outspoken. But uh as of now, I think he's a little more talk and a little less action because back then he he could, you know, chime out these films and they'd be good. But uh now he's just like, I know exactly how to craft a great female character And I know how to do this. And this is the problems with sequels and that. So this is a whole big topic that we can get into about how, uh, what's the, especially now that I've seen Dr. Sleep, that what's the balance between reminding fans that, hey, this is what you love. And then, hey, we need to go in a, a, a more original direction here.
1: Oh, there's no original direction it's all the same shit like there's a different Terminator but other than that it is the same stuff and there's like a couple of lines of dialogue here and there that like oh that's kind of interesting let's explore that but it's just a line of dialogue and that's it uh it and I mean some of the action fight scenes are okay maybe one in particular but other than that like there's it's not really good it's uh yeah, I mean, well, I say it's probably the best Terminator movie since part two, yes, but that's not saying much at all because the other ones are completely downright terrible and unwatchable. Uh but I that, like the first 30
2: minutes of Genesis.
1: Yeah, meh. So in and, and and I must say this: why must all these Terminator stories not deal with the future? Like they constantly since one and two show like 3 minutes of this post apocalyptic world where terminators are the winny are winning and there's a resistance of humans trying to fight them but they never explore that and god damn it why can't they do that because they do that in this movie but it's only for a couple minutes and it looks unbelievably cool but then again it's the same stuff taking place you know in our present day where terminators go uh, time travel to the to our present and try to warn people and it's oh, oh my goodness like I said I mean Linda Hamilton's okay in it uh she's not great but Arnold is just uh, wonderful as always he I mean I don't know how he's a, he's a better actor than you give him credit for because to have like that monotone look and voice which is hard to do um but he's also very comedic in it <laughs> Uh, it's just kind of difficult to do, and he just deadpans it, and, and it's great. Uh, but other than that, yeah, if you've seen one and two, you'll basically have seen this new movie because you're like, oh, they're doing the same thing again, and even worse. <laughs> so, yeah,
2: for me describing all that, I wish that these Terminator movies would acknowledge that this is going to be forever an ongoing battle between Terminators and humans, in that, uh, Time travel exists, and that complicates things tremendously. I think that's why Genesis uh, sucked after a certain point in my eye that it it would just, you know, jump back in the past. And you're like, oh, well, that just removes the stakes entirely. And why can't they just have like a, a, a thoughtful moment or like these character moments of being like, this is, you know, all I am. I'm just fighting one fight in this one point in time on this particular uh, time in this time arc, I guess, um, because thinking about like the way that they display it in like Avengers Endgame or something where it's like all these different alternate realities um, that, you know, a Terminator can always, a bad Terminator could always go back in the past. And even if you correct it now, like Michael Myers, he will fucking come back from the dead and fix it.
1: Yep 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 it's ridiculous and uh my goodness so yeah uh, i would say save your money unless you're just the biggest terminator fan but um you've seen this movie before folks and there's no changing in it so there you go is it worth your time and money no in my eyes um and moving on to our last little bit of news more of a discussion since we're talking about halloween 2 later on in the show Preston, do you think horror sequels are the best sequels? Well um,
2: it, it's complicated, but <laughs> I think that it there's there's a lot more of them just because I, I don't know I'm more familiar in that territory than having you know Iron Man 2 or three like that but
1: uh, I mean besides I, Godfather 2. I think all the horror sequels are better. Like, it's, it's just it's just because
2: there's more of them. But I, I think in terms of like track record, I don't know. It could be like neck and neck, or it it, it could be that uh, in other territories it might have a little more of an advantage in that territory. So well, I I don't know.
1: I, I but, also think that the horror genre is not afraid to do something different like let's say a drama Eh, that's arguable i don't know like i mean all right so take a look at evil dead 2 and texas chainsaw massacre part 2 both completely different than their originals even though maybe evil dead is a little bit of the same storyline but they added that three stooges humor to it and then texas chainsaw massacre part 2 just went off the deep end into a crazy horror comedy uh and then, like, I mean, I just think those are just, like, very different. You don't see that in too many dramas or comedies or, like, real
0: sequels. I you guess just...
2: that's true in that uh, horror, the horror genre takes more risks with its storytelling. Like, even looking at the Halloween franchise, you know, with Part 6 getting cults involved with it. And then, you know, Part 3 being something completely different. Uh, I, I guess there it has that. Um, but, I mean, it also has... Maybe a equal amount of sequels out there Like in the Friday the 13th franchise Where they're, you know, you've seen one You've seen them all kind of thing
1: Yeah I I, I mean, even with Friday the 13th I, I think there's like a little bit of different stuff there You know? Like they, they mm-hmm. go...
2: For, for six and then being comedy and seven Having telekinetic powers But uh, two, one, two, three, four... Uh, I mean, four is a really good ver- uh, film, but I mean, I like two and three as well. Uh, he's just—it's a little bit, bit the same. But you know, he gets—we got to see how he gets his mask, how he gets the machete, and then how he goes from uh, human to zombie and things like that. So there's a little bit there, but uh, most of the time, you know, we go back, we go to watch those films just to see how they kill people. <laughs>
1: they're fun I, I I will say that horror movies are, or horror sequels are the best sequels I just I I'm gonna put that out there they're doing well keep it up for the most part um, alright I think that ends uh, my bloody uh, or the, the bloody bits of news not the show uh, we just want to I just want to add that uh, Preston did see Doctor Sleep the sequel to The Shining and we will be talking about it next week I believe right Hell yeah, we will. Yes, we will. So I'm I'm very excited. Don't say anything, Preston. i want. I can't wait to see it because I haven't seen it yet. Uh, all right. I'll, oh, oh, oh! I'll, here we go. Yep. You
2: shut up. Yep, I'm gonna... See
1: what happens is that Danny wakes up on an island next to a dog. It was all a dream.
2: you're you're so right you're
1: so right (laughs) damn you lost okay so that uh concludes bloody bits of news let's move on to my bloody question where we ask a fun horror themed question we answer it we bring it to reddit and we read some of the funny comments from reddit so this week's uh, question uh, this week's question, Preston, is partly in, uh, on par with Halloween 2. So, if you were trapped in a hospital with a movie monster, who would it be, and how would you survive? So if you were a patient in a hospital and somehow a movie monster or movie killer showed up to kill you, which movie monster would it be, and how would you fight it and survive? Preston, I'm curious...
2: Uh, mine's not going to be too special. Uh, I, I'm initially I wanted to say Ghostface, but he moves much faster and it, he's not so predictable. And I feel like with Jason moving at a slow pace, I have a little bit of advantage. But the guy, you know, he still kills so many people. And whenever I'm watching horror movies, I like to think that, oh, come on. You know, I'm smarter than that. And I like the idea of the challenge. But uh, please, the world, do not put me in that situation. But it's fun to kind of put yourself in the shoes of the characters and be like, oh, man, what would I do? So I guess if I was trapped in a hospital with uh Jason I'd be going full home alone
1: <laughs> setting up them traps in that hospital
2: assuming that I'm in the hospital that's like the one from Halloween 2 where there's just mysteriously not too many people working and then lights are off
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> they turn off the lights they
2: got to save the uh, you know save the electricity bill you know there you go
1: all right all right you take it no supernatural
2: characters for me. Yeah, I, there's no way I could, I could beat that.
1: So that, that I went that way too. Um, I said Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm, as mm-hmm. he's a real person. I think I could outsmart Leatherface and trap him in an OR instead of trap where all the used needles pierce him from every ankle, <laughs> and then he'll pass out from that. And then I'll tie him up on an OR table and use his own weapon on him. I feel like that's how I'd go. Hell yeah! That's how I'd go about it. Uh, just because I don't think I could fuck with a, uh, <laughs> a supernatural person either. Yeah, I, I mean, well, J-
2: Jason's a little bit of a supernatural character, or at least down the line. But maybe I would say specifically early Jason, maybe like Jason Two when he has like a bag on his face.
1: Yeah, but even then, like we've seen in like Freddy vs. Jason, that you can inject him yeah, with stuff can... and pass out, and you can maybe cut him all up. I don't know. So, uh, so yeah, that's that is uh, that is our answers. We brought it to Reddit. I'm only going to read a couple of them uh, for time wise, but we'll post a link. However, Red Santo Ahora said, "I'd blow fentanyl <laughs> in their face. Any punk ass Mike Myers type is getting OD'd." <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great idea. Just blow fentanyl in their face and they pass out and they OD off of drugs. I like that, right? Yeah, it's good. And uh, Emails Abel said, the creature from the Black Lagoon in the lobby with a shotgun. My name is Horace Cox the Shotgun. Good monster Squad reference emails able, <laughs> so yeah, I always only read a couple of them. So we'll we'll post the the list once we uh, post this podcast. But I like that. I like the blowing fentanyl on the face. And I think if you have access to a hospital, you have access to a ton of weapons, like X-ray stuff, and you know, even if like your monster has metal plates, radiation. And, yeah, radiation, or get them in an MRI, and they're like stuck to the magnetic thing of the MRI so they can't go anywhere? I don't know. It sounds like kind of fun.
2: Or there's really hot, hot tubs apparently.
1: Yeah, really, really, yeah, hot, hot tubs. And or... your
2: hand will be okay. You can shove their body down there, but your hand will be top shape.
1: Yep. Do you think the laughing gas would uh, work on any of these characters?
2: Yeah, I wonder, I wonder what sort of effect that would have. Would they just become more crazy or would <laughs> – yeah, I don't know. They, they would start sawing off their own leg.
1: Ooh, that'd be awesome. Oh, we should make a short film. All right. Well, thanks to those uh, that we've read today. I think those are some of the best ones. Uh, yeah, we'll be back with that uh, next week with My Bloody Question for Dr. Sleep. But until then, let us know at mybloodypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, who you'd want to be trapped in a hospital with and how you would survive. But moving on to my bloody recommendations where we recommend a movie or TV show, vintage or new, we just want to tell you about it. We just want you to watch it and love it with us on my bloody podcast. Preston, bloody recommendation time, Halloween style.
2: Yes, so my pick for this week is 1973's Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Ooh! Yeah. Uh, It was remade, I don't know, like 10 years ago. Guillermo del Toro produced it, but uh, it wasn't that good. But I like this one. Uh, Warner Archive just recently put it out uh, this past month. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, really creepy just because, you know, like a lot of early horror films you know when they didn't have access to cgi which is the route that they take with the new one they it, do like these ex- cool experiments with practical effects and puppetry and things like of that nature and so that's pretty much what happens and don't be afraid of the dark which is about these the this uh young couple that inherits an old mansion that's inhabited by these like small demon-like creatures who are determined to make uh, the the wife of the couple uh, one of their own. So they're just looking to recruit them. And they're like really tiny, small creatures. And, you know, a lot of filmmakers will say, you know, I tr- I'm trying to make, when it comes to the creatures themselves, don't show them too quickly, because that can ruin things. As we talked last week with... You know, American Werewolf in London. What makes that movie work is that the, the mystery is there because you do not see the wolf in its full effect for a long period of time. It, it doesn't, it doesn't become silly or stupid if you, you know, expose it uh, for a long period of time. And so it's the same thing here. They do things in like quick flashes, and it's probably about forty or so minutes before you even see a creature pop up just to play with this woman's head. Uh, It's mainly just voices. Like you hear voices and and then the idea of like the caretaker kind of knowing what's up, Um, that there's like this door in the basement area and it uh, leads to this underground layer where all these little things hide. And uh, it's just really effective that it, you know, also a very simple horror film, but it has like these deeper things that are going on that make it a more impactful horror film. So maybe showering the thought of, which is a scene that is in this movie. Uh, and then a creature getting something or making a noise. And then you're like, what the hell is that? And so, uh, i like that that's scary to me just like these these little creatures that look like the little things from the gate uh are 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 super creepy to me so uh, i'm gonna recommend this movie because it's really short and for a 1973 movie um that may not be as well known um it's a pretty good horror film so that's what i would recommend this week 1973s don't be afraid of the dark
1: very cool. I like that recommendation. Big shoots. Thank um, you. Yeah, mine is uh, a sequel to a horror movie. I wonder if Preston knows what it is.
2: Halloween II.
1: <laughs> nope, no cigar there. Uh, mine is a movie from 1988, known mm. as The Main Course, otherwise known as Critters Two: The Main mm. Course. Oh, what a wonderful sequel this is. I actually really like this sequel. It was directed by Mick Garris. Uh, if you saw the original Critters, uh, they made uh, four uh, films. And then recently they've made another movie as well TV as a TV show series as well. But um, it kind of brings back the original people from the film, meaning Scott Grimes and uh terrence man don keith opera uh and it's it's kind of cool how they did it it's uh it takes place two years after the first film uh as we saw in the first film at the end there's a critter edge eggs that hatch at the very end and it's the movie starts out with this uh the um the bounty hunters as well as well as charlie from the first film on another planet killing like this giant uh, worm thing and they get a message saying critters are back on earth head there and they meet up with uh bradley from the first film who's a little older now in the same town and critters attack and it's just a fun more comedic film uh Takes place on Easter, and that's where the famous uh, huge ball of critters rolling around attacks people. But there's also like an underlying uh, thing of Charlie not thinking he's good enough to be a bounty hunter. It's, it's kind of cool. Uh, it's, it's cool movie, cool uh, like mythology and lore in that universe, and I think it's a damn fine uh sequel i always liked it i know it didn't it wasn't well received when it came out but as far as like the last 10 or so years people have really grown um on it and uh super super fun uh so yes 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 i uh i i would say do do this uh critters 2 super fun kind of a light horror movie not like super crazy uh, but yeah critters too man watch it if you can it's super fun i love it the main course. bad ass bad ass uh yeah that's by bloody recommendations and now it is time for our main feature presentation on halloween 2019 oh my goodness my bloody podcast on halloween live bringing you halloween 2 from 1981 Oh My Gourd, directed by Rick Rosenthal, produced and written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis and Donald Pleasence. Who's uh, pretty, pretty... Jamie Lee Curtis? Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah, I don't know. Yes, Jamie Lee Curtis, badass. Basically, uh, this movie coming out a few years after the first one, since the first one did so well. Uh, does it hold up? Is it any good? Yes, it's still good. It's amazing. They, It takes place literally, legitimately right where the first one left off, and then just kind of enhances the story, and then brings a whole another level mm-hmm. of mystique and storyline to the character that was evident in every sequel. Uh, we'll get to that later, but yeah, I think this holds up pretty well because you kind of have some of the similar camera techniques of the first person Mike Myers shadow uh, creeping uh, and looking into doors and windows at his victim but also like the first film I think it takes place you know outside in a house you know at multiple locations Halloween 2 kind of just takes place in like a scary hospital so uh, I think it holds up very well Um, Preston please tell me does it hold up do you still like it do you hate it
2: Oh, no, I do not hate it. It's a it's probably my favorite Halloween film after the original. Uh, I I do like Halloween four. And I think when we reviewed Halloween four, I probably said it was my favorite. But after, you know, watching it again a couple of times and then spending some time uh, reflecting on the new one and its problems, I'm just looking at this one and rewatching it and I'm thinking, man, this is probably one of the best directed Halloween films that it has what you just said. Those moments like John Carpenter, where you're getting that first first person perspective from Michael Myers point of view. And but then there there will also be these moments where it's just quiet and then the nurses will be messing with something or talking to each other. And then you'll just see him in the background. And I think that it just builds that sense of dread extremely well compared to any of the other sequels that follow. In my eyes, like, I just feel like this is one of the scary ones to me. Like, the, even the deaths are creative. Like, we were getting into our bloody question. Uh, there's there's so much at your disposal to... Uh, you know, have fun with. And then Michael, you know, as I teased, you know, with the the hot tub and things like that, uh, suff- uh, suffocating somebody with a pillow, there's just like so many things that he can do outside of just stabbing somebody with a knife. And I, and I liked that, that sense of, uh, you know, somebody going outside to go check on things. And then, uh, it, so much into the fake outs like h2o does like man if you watch h2o it's also a scary one but it has so many like fake out scares that are extremely annoying but i feel like this one uh they're very there's they're only so often but for the most part like i'm just really into the mood of the film even though i can poke fun of it fun at it for uh you know like i just said with be in a hospital where there's only so few people working and then the lights are off in certain areas. And then no, why the hell would you leave, uh, Lori uh, alone with, you know, just to be by herself after she's like suffered something, especially when that killer is loose. Like, of course you would have a cop there. Uh, So there's just like things logically that do not make sense at all. But for the most part, if you just, stick to the mood of the film and what it's trying to accomplish accomplishes a lot. I may also not like one of the big reveals in the film that we'll talk about. And as you hinted at Brian, that affects the trajectory of the rest of the franchise. Uh, and we could have a whole discussion about like, do you feel like that's part of the mythos in that, uh, that it's such an important ingredient that you, that's what you think about when you think of Halloween or because of the new direction that they're taking with the, the new ones. Uh, it's something that it's just kind of faded away a little bit and it can work on its own. Um, so I don't know, that's all, a lot at, all at once, but for the most part, Halloween two is pretty incredible in my eye. Six shot. Oh yeah, of course. Um, I, I, I mean, it's it's much better that it goes in this direction than it is. Uh, say, we caught him a mile up the road, and now he's back in jail. <laughs> no, it's it's so much creepier now that it's uh, he's out there and he could be coming for her. It, I mean, that that would have been way more effective to me in 20 in the 2018 Halloween uh if it had gone that route but you know I have this one and I have that one so I can uh go with this one if I'd like um there's a lot that I would like to discuss in spoiler territory but if yeah overall feelings I think this is uh one of the one of the best uh if not the best uh sequel in the entire franchise Yeah. So there's a scene with Donald Pleasance and a woman named Karen, I believe, and she reveals to Donald Pleasance that there's this file. That hasn't been uh, revealed to certain personnel of this uh, psych ward, uh, if, if you want to call it that, the, the hospital, um, psychiatric hospital. They, We learned that Michael Myers is the brother of Laurie Strode and Laurie Strode was adopted. So there you go. Uh, On one hand, however, I think something that John Carpenter has since realized since then is that, you know, it's it's more scary. You know, it's scary that Michael doesn't seem like a real person and that he's just a monster. I mean, there's lines even in this film in Halloween, two, where even Loomis says, you know, I shot him six times, shot him in the heart, but he's not human. And so those things are effective. But because now that he is the brother of Laurie Strode, that humanizes him a little bit. And it it has its moments of effect throughout the franchise. In you know, HBO or HBO H2O Halloween Water, they have the scene at the very end and spoilers for that movie. You know, the final uh, moment that Laurie Strode has with Michael it's like reaching out, uh, knowing that he is a monster and then she kills him. And so I think it's had its uh, great moments of exploration throughout the franchise. however, i I just feel like it it takes away from a lot of the that mystery that I like about horror movies in that uh, you know it'd be more scary if he was just... You know, just appears and then just doesn't feel like a real person and this fact kind of hinders the experience to me overall and I, that's the direction that they're taking with the new one the 2018 one they're not related or at least thus far um halloween kills could take any route but uh i guess that's why i'm just curious to know like where they'll go from here with that but I'm not a huge fan of that reveal uh, in, in retrospect now that I've had the entire franchise. I'm sure if I had grown up with these movies and watched them or if I was born earlier and had watched them in theaters and I was a big fan, uh, I would probably have a different relationship with it. But now that I, you know, I'm part of the generation where people like analyze things very deeply and have said any everything of what we're pretty much saying now uh I, I, I have that feeling uh, that I wish it wasn't something that was part of it and that it was, it was more mysterious if they just cut that scene out. Um, it, it would be a scarier movie to me. And there would be some, cause at this point, you know, when John Carpenter wrote this, you know, the, the, the next Halloween movie, Halloween three has nothing to do with Michael Myers and because he's dead. And uh, this would have been left alone. And then, you know, he comes back in four and then, even though Loomis had sacrificed himself and blew up the hospital or a wing of the hospital and then killed Michael. And you see him burn very ever so slowly. And then he comes back and, you know, he only has like maybe a first degree burn or something. Uh, and then Loomis has like an egg on his face. So, um, I don't know. I, I think on one hand it does work if you just, uh, try not to take it so Seriously, but I think the true fan of myself would rather it have a more mysterious element or aspect to it. Yeah, I mean, it, it does. I guess it was before it became like a horror cliche that, you know, yeah, it's part of the recipe that you have to have a naked woman in this movie somewhere. Somebody's got to have sex and they got to pay the price for it. And then people got to die in very horrific ways. And and that's usually like the the goal for each horror sequel is that okay let's go a little bit bigger maybe a little different and we're gonna get more violent we gotta amp up these uh kills but um i it does it is effective but i think it's still important to acknowledge that you know it's it 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 follows the formula that has been made over the years or in the 80s I, i would say maybe i don't know too much about Uh, horror beyond that to be like okay this was a formula but but since you know the the slasher genre pretty much was born uh this has been like part of part of the formula from film to film but uh again if i'm just thinking about it in terms of what this movie is trying to accomplish i think it's very effective Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, doesn't Dick Warlock play uh, Michael Myers this round? And, and is he not the father of the character from society? Is that right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So what's your, what's your favorite, uh, Michael, Michael Myers, uh, because you know, part, it it might be just Nick castle, but, um, But the way that you know, there's a particular movement to uh, Michael Myers. That do you feel like this is a good representation of that that scariness of of Michael Myers?
1: Uh, but here it looks like he's more fluid with his movements. And I think that's a little scarier. Like he looks a little tougher here. What do you think?
2: Yeah, he does. He, not so much like bulky in that like, uh, Jason six or something like that, or Jason lives. But, uh, yeah, I think he, he has still has, it's, it's a fairly good continuation of what Nick castle did. And I think Nick castle still did some stunts here, but, uh, for the most part is dick warlock
1: yeah dick warlock yes uh i i I think he did a good job and i kind of like you know there's something to be said of i mean in the first film mike myers kind of i mean he's scary to look at but he's mostly just standing there and here in the second one he's more moving around so i think you need somebody more agile i guess Mm -hmm. i think So I I like that aspect of it. I think he's scarier in the second one. But I mean, even though he's like more eerie and haunting in the first one, but here you're just like, I do not want to be near this dude. So it's always funny to me in the first one where like the little kids run into him at the schoolyard and he does nothing. (laughs) Yeah. But like, I feel like in this second movie, if that happened, he would definitely cut their heads off. Or stab them.
0: Well,
2: he passes by a couple of people. Like, there's uh the new Halloween 2018. It has, like, the follow cam type of style where there's, like, a scene where it establishes, hey, Michael knows how to get to the hospital because there's a sign out there that says, you know, hospital this way. But yeah. you, you get a sense of what, what's great about that moment is you get a sense of the neighborhood, you get a sense of a, a Haddonfield. And, uh, he passes by some people that he could just straight up expose if he wanted to. I mean, he does kill the woman and, uh, or, or does he, does he, is it implied? Is it like a no country for old men kind of moment where does he actually kill that? No, I don't think he does. He kills the woman that's in that pink robe. He just gets the knife. Right. And then just sees the blood on the, on the thing. But but then you're thinking, oh, like the neighbor next door has a baby, and there's all the like all the stuff that kind of that the new one uh, pays homage to. But uh, I mean, it still has that that eerie feeling throughout that there is that possibility that he could do that, but he's a little more motivated uh, yeah. by Laurie Strode.
1: Yeah, no, I, I like that aspect. Um, Let's talk a little about, about the music, the score. Of course, the Halloween theme is one of the most iconic theme movie themes ever and probably one of the best, played by John Carpenter on the piano. But in this movie, they kind of... Uh, do something a little different It's the same song but instead of a piano It's more of a synthesizer And they played a little faster And it has a little more gothic feel to it And what do you think? Do you think you like it a little better? Or do you like that, just like that one piano key? Or do you like the synthesizer type thing?
2: I mean I like the synthesizer type stuff I think the, the new one has a really good score Version of that And how he plays with it Plays it at a different tempo Or uses a di- different instrument Still using that same progression But in this one, I feel like James Cameron watched this when he was uh, constructing Terminator, the original Terminator, because it has that same sort of tone and score to it. Uh, Like, whenever it doesn't have that theme going, like, there'll still be, like, this distorted, like, kind of feel to it. Um, And and still the way that he walks and then Laurie Strode being, like, injured and then limping around, like, I feel like it played – some sort of had some sort of inspiration or effect on James Cameron when he made the Terminator movies.
1: Yeah. It's
2: uh but it's a, it's a decent, it's a good score. I, I think, uh, my favorite of the entire franchise is probably three.
1: Well, because yeah, the <laughs> got a catchy jingle.
2: Well, the, outside the jingle too, it just has like, uh, I guess cause it, it has more room to play that. It's not so stuck to, to that, that theme. It's not, 70 different ways to play with that that same theme song or tones
1: that I like it um so and we have to mention since it's Halloween 2 we have to mention the Halloween 2 murders do you know about this Preston no tell me okay so the Halloween 2 murders uh, an incident with minor connections to the f- Halloween two heightened attitudes about the effects of media violence on young people. On December seventh, nineteen eighty-two, Richard Boyer of El Monte, California, murdered Francis and Eileen Harbitz, an elderly couple in Fullerton, California. Leading to the trial, the people versus Boyer in 1989, the couple were stabbed 43 times by Boyer. And according to the trial transcript, Boyer's de- defense was that he suffered from hallucinations in that Harbit's residence brought on by the movie Halloween 2, which <laughs> defendant had seen under the influence of PCP and alcohol. So basically he said that this movie told him to kill these people <laughs> when he was high on PCP.
2: I would say the PCP told him to kill people. It's right. The whole argument of uh, what's his face from Happy Gilmore that wears that shirt that uh, uh, guns don't kill people, people kill people.
1: Yeah, the the film, the the, the entire Halloween 2 movie was played for the jury. <laughs> and uh, they pointed One out... One of them was like, that's pretty good. Yeah, they pointed out various similarities between its scenes and the visions the defendant described. Uh, Boyer, of course, was found guilty and sentenced to death. Uh, Joe Bob Briggs actually talked about it on his show a long time ago. And there was a whole thing of like trying to ban horror movies and stuff like that. But then again, you're just like, well, this is crazy. So yeah, if you want to research the Halloween two murders, you can. And like this guy who was on PCP and alcohol was like, Oh, Halloween check. I go kill some people
0: (laughs) on
2: top of a unstable mind.
1: Yes. Yes. There you go. So, uh, so yeah, if you're going to do drugs, do it in moderation. (laughs) Yeah. um, but yeah, no, that's that's, that's, that's interesting. Like Halloween, two of all movies. And can you imagine being on a murder trial and watching a horror movie? <laughs> its entirety. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's what that's what I was thinking. I was like, I wonder if there's like somebody out there that was just like,
1: uh, yeah, that was a pretty good movie. It was a pretty it was a pretty good movie. So, uh, anything else you want to talk about uh, about Halloween two that we haven't brought up yet?
2: Um. I'm trying to think. Uh, I guess, there. do you want to talk at all about the relationship between Laurie Strode and Jimmy, uh, played by Lance Guest?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, talk about that for a little bit. Yes. Uh, I liked
2: that, that part of it. Uh, I mean, it's got like that teen uh, high school kind of feel to it. Uh, I, I liked that in, in that he – there's a little bit of history between their characters and then there's a little bit of a, you know, a crush there. But, uh, yeah, I, I I liked that aspect of it too.
1: Yeah. I like how, like, you know, in the first film, nobody really likes Lori, but now like in the second one, you can see like somebody actually does like Lori. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Opens it up a little bit more. And, uh, She's straight up wearing a wig in this movie.
1: (laughs) Do you you think this is when she cut her hair off and she's wearing?
2: Probably. uh, Didn't did prom night come out in 1980 or fought? Well, she had short, shorter hair in those films.
1: Yeah, she did. Staying Alive. I don't know. Uh, That might have been a little further down the road, but. No. Yeah. She. Uh, I mean, she wears the long wig in Treading Places, but she takes it off and it's like super short hair, kind of like what she wears now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, I th- I think the the Jimmy character uh, is pretty cool because he's kind of like he's he's kind of helping out, trying to like find the corpses and helping Laurie out, and then you know <laughs> it's just, it's kind of cool. He he plays a integral part to this film, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think uh, because. She's such a haunted character, you know. And she's only in how many Halloween movies is she in? Not counting the most recent one. So, so she's,
2: she's in one, two, two. six—or no, not six. H uh, two O oh, and Resurrection. Yeah. Okay. So, dies in Resurrection.
1: <laughs> right. So in the four. Okay. So I, I think it's just kind of cool because you just see her as she's like a basket case, other than the first one for the most part. And it's kind of cool to like, oh, somebody likes her, and like from the the new film uh that came out last year you'd see like oh well she had a family she even though she's kind of taken on like a doomsday character she's uh she had Who, who's the
2: do, i can't recall is there is there a husband in that situation did they explain that
1: not that I remember, uh, that, that I can remember. I'd have to go back cause I've seen it like three times and I just, I, it gets worse every time I watch that movie.
2: I but, mean, I could see, I can see it being like an issue of like, you know, the trauma got to her so much that she tried to have a normal life, but it was too difficult and maybe got divorced or something.
1: Right. Right. I, I, I definitely, definitely get that. Um, did you know who else was in Halloween Two that we didn't talk about? Who Dana Carvey?
2: Where, where, uh, I can't recall where he's at.
1: He plays a character called Barry McNichol. <laughs> All right, and I think he's like just like a super small part, maybe just walking by. But yeah, Dana Carvey as Barry McNichol, nineteen
2: eighty-one. So weird when like these like characters maybe don't even have a line. But yet they have, like, their own uni- unique name, like something Tarantino would do or Brian mm-hmm. Johnson does with uh, Kid Blue. Like, he had his own, like, pilot name, Stormbreaker. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. But something that's funny.
1: No, that's good. I just, I just saw that. And I was like, oh, yeah. I have to go back and look and, like, see it right there. Because, like, something similar happens in Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Where like the first scene where they're like actually making the Freddy movie, uh, on set, it's James Vanderbeek in that movie. He plays Freddy and I just think that's hilarious. And he's like doesn't have a line. He just like they take the mask off of him and it's just him. So I'm like, hmm. oh my goodness. It's <laughs> James Vanderbeek. Jesus. Uh so yeah, it's always fun to see stuff like that. Um yeah, Halloween two is just a good movie. And it goes like if you're gonna do a double feature, do Halloween one and two right after The other it just it just picks up and flows effortless effortlessly in my opinion uh and i think is one of the coolest movies to feature a hospital in a haunting setting so Mm -hmm. uh, yeah
2: which became a trend after a while
1: right and so if you were to take halloween movies it's like these two halloween movies are it and then the third one is definitely doesn't have Mike Myers completely different. And then they go back to four and it's about the little girl and it just doesn't really pick up until H2O again. So yeah.
2: Cause I, I don't, I don't like six. I like
1: I, the only, so we haven't talked so we're not really talking about six today. Cause I'd like to just because I like the fact that it's one of the only ones that explores his, his evilness and like where it came from. Mm-hmm. even though it's not like a great movie but like throughout all the movies there's crazy cameos in all of them and six is the one with Paul Rudd right
2: yeah Tommy Doyle ad.
1: oh my goodness yes so uh so yeah we'll probably get that, to that at some point but yeah I think that kind of wraps up our Halloween episode 2019 my bloody podcast oh my goodness Preston Halloween 2 what are we doing
2: we're going to keep going we're... We're gonna keep
1: going. Oh my goodness! Uh, Halloween two was a box office success. It was the second highest grossing horror film of 1981. Came right behind American Werewolf in London, which we talked about last week. Very interesting. But also in the move in 1981, we had Friday the 13th Part Two, The Omen Three, and The Howling. And then of course, Halloween two and American Werewolf in London. Damn! What a crazy year for horror movies. Yeah oh my goodness so yeah uh, this movie out
2: if you can find it online you can probably find it on Amazon or something Uh, or the wonderful folks at Scream Factory still have I think you can still find it they got like a regular uh, collector's edition release that they put out that they put out uh, just for two and three but then they have like a eight pack or ten, ten movie collection that's uh, sometimes Best Buy has it, or you might be able to find it online somewhere. But then they also have that big package that you got, Brian. Yeah, if you can afford it, get
1: that big package. It's That's awesome. That's what she said. Uh, <laughs> uh, happy Halloween, Preston.
2: Happy Halloween, Brian.
1: Oh, I'm so excited. I wish you and I can go trick or treating tonight.
2: Yeah, me too. I can't bring my son in his Buzz outfit. No, just you and me trick or
1: treating. Roe's old enough to do trick-or-treating on his own, right?
2: Not really. <laughs>
1: Not really. Oh, I know. That would be awesome. Go trick or treat with Preston. We should do that. That would be great. Um, yeah, my bloody podcast. We are on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Spotify, and of course, now new to the iHeartRadio team. Look us up. Um, I'm Brian Kluger. Find me at... Boomstickcomics.com, highdefdigest.com, where I'm talking about Blu-rays and 4Ks and theatrical movies, and you can go to my YouTube channel and see out all the funny interviews and video reviews I do. You can even see me play an arcade claw machine and lose terribly at it. Uh, but yes. Uh, spoiler. Spo- spoiler. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't need to watch it now.
1: No, you can watch it because it's funny. I get pissed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I lose a lot of money. Uh, and then, of course, Preston is found all over the interwebs.
2: Where can they find you, dude, buddy? Uh, you can find me as the Features Editor at FreshFiction.tv. And then I'm also the film critic at the Ditton Record Chronicle, which is Ditton, dot com, where I have all kinds of reviews and interviews and Blu-ray reviews. and Or you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Preston Barta, B-A-R-T-A. Yes, get some sleep or you might need a doctor.